Welcome to Chasing Life, episode 12, for June 19th, 2023. We had a big loss today. It's a bit of a gruesome and devastating discovery tonight. Just a few days shy of getting ready to process our broiler birds, we discovered that we had a coyote attack sometime through the night last night or early this morning. All of our broiler birds are gone. Well, yeah. Yeah. There was, I went out this afternoon, well, just literally an hour ago, not even. Yeah. And uh, I kind of, mornings have been busier for us. So Mm -hmm. I've kind of been like setting the chickens up so that we don't have to do much in the morning for them. I move them and make sure all the feed's topped up in the evening and everything and you kind of get a good feeling when you're raising chickens about how much they're going to eat and when they're going to need to be refed and whatnot. And uh, I knew they'd be pretty good. So I ran out there. Well, the boys took a little longer to get to bed tonight. Mm. Both screamed for a full-on half hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came out to do, you were milking, came out to do the rest of the chores. Usually you milk and I do the rest of the chicken chores in the evening and then we might tool around and do a little gardening together or whatever. So I came out and I grabbed a bag of food because they're going through lots of feed now. So I have to bring a bag out with me. They were going through lots of feed. <clears throat> so I grab a, my usual bucket of water and, and a uh, bag of feed. And uh, I started taking a couple of steps out into the field. I was like, I mean, they get lazy when they get real near the end. Well, so and the they grass do a, is getting tall They too, do a lot right? of sitting down. So you, often now at this time, you know, at this stage of their life, when you go out there, they're, uh, they're all sitting down in the field. You know, they're just kind of sitting in the grass, you know, chilling. Packing on pounds. <laughs> and uh, it's like, something doesn't look right. You can't see anything too much from a bit of a distance. I mean, they're not that far away, 10 yards or so. <sighs> I knew I could see one in there. And I was sort of realizing, I'm like, there's nobody else. And they've gotten out before. Yeah, just last weekend. So I was a couple weeks ago. So I'm like, kind of scanning the field trying to see. And then I see a little bit of a like beige something, you know, about another... 10 yards out it's like oh no mm-hmm. so i came over and the one hens or one chicken can't tell if they're hens or chicken or uh, roosters yet but um she's kind of hunched down in the corner and uh the lone survivor i went for a walk it didn't take long i counted up six more mm-hmm. so seven we had 13 um yeah, so I found seven total, so six more out in the field, kind of just in, I mean, there, about. yeah, there's, I mean, the shame is that nothing got a good meal out of them. That's the worst thing about coyotes, is that it's it's almost as if they kill for sport. They eat what they want, but then they go back and get the rest just for funsies. Yeah. That's the part that makes me so angry about these coyote attacks. It's, it's a devastating loss because we were just... Like like I said, four Literally, days we're, away. This this weekend we're going to butcher weekend. on Saturday or Sunday this weekend. So all of that time raising them up to this point, all that feed, all that time and effort putting into them. So yeah, it looks as though they tore through the side of the yeah. the mesh. So the, we're going to reassess. You know, and I I I don't want you to take this as an I told you so, but that did not feel safe. As as a as a shelter solution. Well, we had I'd used the same the same theoretical setup, like it was a different shape, but I had the same type of thing set up for our layers out back. I think the difference being they if there was something around, they had the ability to get inside the coop. They well, had a, a place to go to. I know, like an if immature a, rooster. Sure, and if a coyote or whatever predator wanted to get in, they could if they mm. really wanted to. But they at least had that shelter to go into. These broilers were just basically inside plastic netting surrounded by PVC pipe, mm. out in the elements, and it just, you know, th- that that deer netting, that plastic deer netting, is no match for a wild dog. So, uh, I've got a couple other couple other ideas on how to how to make that better. We've got some of that other um, hardware cloth, the metal stuff yeah. that I might be able to attach to that. The problem is always figuring out how how to affix it because mm-hmm. we're we're not. I I didn't build it. I built it out of PVC piping, um, figuring it holds up better than than wood would. Have, you know, 
being dragged around out there. Um, the problem there was always figuring out how to attach that. And I think I can use little self-tapping screws or something. I can come up with something to do that. I wonder if we can make something that looks like a, like a chick shaw. Like go to Justin Rhodes' website. And I actually kinda... have the plans because yeah. he, he's got a new book. He's got, uh, uh, he's doing a Kickstarter for a new book that I backed. And one of the perks that right away they send you is like these, like, it's like a 30 page plan to build what their chicks. Now, the problem is the way that the, he builds them are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't put that many birds in these. So there's kind of. I mean, could you have two groups? Like, could you have two? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you could put layers in one and broilers in the other. I think the other devastating part is like, I mean look at the the monetary loss yeah. of what we've put into this well, so dozen, a couple hundred dollars doesn't doesn't birds doesn't day olds for what three fifty four dollars a piece yeah um and then there was probably feed for them's a little cheaper it's about 30 bucks because we do all organic um it's usually about through 30 bucks a bag and i figure there's probably um there's probably f- at least four or five bags of feed, feed into them mm-hmm. So, so another, you know, like, three or four hundred dollars in. So if you think like we just lost three or four hundred dollars, what's it worth for us to make sure that we have a safe and secure structure for them to be in? Yeah, like, I think I think that that design is OK if it was a little bit like if the hardware cloth thought it was better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's effectively um, that type of setup. So there's kind of three different setups now. Siskovich, which is more like looks like a little house. It's all like chicken wire. Um, the advantage, the reason why people like those ones is because they're tall and you can get in them. Hmm. They're typically six or seven feet high. So it's just like a, I don't know, about three or four foot wide (coughs) frame that's about 10 feet long. Um, it has a little door on one end, like a narrow door on one end. There's typically hang feeders on the, like hang like a half PVC pipe feeder on the inside. And there's a couple of different ways you can wire those up for water. So that's that one. There's a Salatin style, which is like what ours is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Joel Salatin uses. That's what um, Richard Perkins out in, in Denmark, I think, is using. Um, he's an English fellow living over in in, uh, in Denmark. I think it's Denmark. Um, he does that style. And then, of course, Justin Rhodes took it and went with the Chickshaw style, which is more like, it's more like an old hay cart mm-hmm. with a frame on it and a little ladder and everything. That's great because he uses those in amongst his gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll actually like, he'll, he'll, now the problem with those, well, what he does with those is because they're real small. Whereas like the scope, the Scovich and the uh, Salatin, the bird's actually on the ground. Mm-hmm. Whereas his isn't. They're up oh. off of the ground. That's oh. the, the major difference. And that's what like, it is a lot smaller. So they would actually have electric netting around the outside of that. Oh, that I see. You have to pick up. That's why I liked this version of it. Right. Um, Speaking of electric netting, this coyote attack has me feeling nervous about the ducks. Well, that's why every night I make sure that their their netting is on, their, their electric fence is on over there. And that's, um, I mean, I've been popped by that one a couple of times. It's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, it does work. And it is pretty, um, it's pretty well done over there. Like there's a, there's a lot of runs on the, the little section that we don't have the, the full netting on. There's a lot there. I don't think... I think that that's less likely that something's going to get in there. Hmm. So, anyways, I don't know. I just feel like the 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 job that we are tasked with is to keep our animals safe, yep. and it always feels so. Uh, I take it personally when yeah. we lose animals because I feel like we failed them somehow. Yep. So. So I mean, we don't take the butchering process lightly. Um, you know, it is. It's always a bit of a. Fun in a somber way, I suppose. Well, I mean, I think what you mean by fun is rewarding, rewarding, fulfilling. I mean, it is the reason why we're doing what we're doing. Yep. And so when you see the, the birds that you've cared for up until this point being just hunted for sport and laying out in the field, like... Even six birds. It's it's such a massive loss. Yeah. Not only for our family, but like the birds themselves. Like it's yep. just like now their purpose is is gone. Yeah. Like their their lives mean nothing. Yeah. 
that's what I said. Like, and that's why we we take we don't take it lightly. I mean, I've said I've had this discussion all, actually in the last week or two with a lot of people, um, leading up to the process of it, and and they're going like, well, you know, how could you do it? I'm like, I'm going to eat meat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that, and and this is it goes back to the same thing. Like, well, and I I would probably I would argue that the people who are asking you how could you do that also eat meat. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's usually my question, and I said like, no, it's not easy. Um, I mean, it gets easier to process, uh, like from a mental and an emotional standpoint. It gets, I mean, I don't want to say you get used to it, but you do get kind of used to it. Um, maybe, de- maybe not desensitized. I don't want to say desensitized because that makes it seem like you do take it lightly. But you, I think you become more comfortable with the purpose and the process and saying like, you know, these birds are serving a purpose for our family. And even when, you know, way back at the beginning when we were butchering those laying hens, their lives, you, we used their lives to teach us the lesson for, for future birds. So even though, you know, we, we still put them in the freezer, but like their lives had so much purpose beyond eggs and meat. It's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And I see, and this is the thing that I say to people. I'm like, and I, I've commented this on people's posts about it. Um, specifically Jess and Jen, when they posted the thing about it, like, yeah. Um, and I've said it to people outright and I, I steal a line from Jason. And so the land is like one bad day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you drive out here and you can't go 10 miles around here without finding chicken barns. Yeah. But you never see chickens. Mm hmm. Well, depends if the bosses have theirs out. And well, they're all on the road. No, but like at the at the like commercial yeah, yeah. chicken farms, yeah. like like there, you know that there is thousands upon thousands of birds in that building mm-hmm. that never see the light of day. The only light that they ever see is through a window at best, mm-hmm. if that. Um, yeah, and I mean, like that's the chicken that you eat. Come see my chickens. Mm-hmm. Not today, obviously. Yeah, don't come today. But, like. And that's just it, like uh, most times, like if it's going to be, if if we're going to maintain this and keep eating meat, not that we don't eat grocery store meat or eat out at a restaurant when we go out or anything, but we want to try to provide as much of that on our own as possible using the most humane and ethical means that you can. Yeah. So it sucks. <laughs> but we learned. We learned that he can about about 10 weeks. Man, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Let's move on. So anyways, I mean, to, to really cap it all off, I was like, well, we got the one. Oh. And I picked her up and I, 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 I'm going to say her. I, she was one right. of the smaller ones, I'm assuming, whatever, but. um, Don't get into too much detail, but she. She was not viable. No. We can't eat She her. was wounded. Yeah, she was She was not left completely unharmed. So uh, the icing on the cake, so to speak. The shit icing on the... Oh. <sighs> Just a tough I had loss. To, I had to take care of the last of them. So a Tough loss today. Yeah. So we figured we'd sit down and record. Not a whole lot more. It was going to be about how we're getting ready and kind of somewhat low-key excited about well, I have some notes about some things that I wanted to talk about. I took notes this week because I had I had a lot of good shower thoughts. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm going to write this down. Just so I didn't forget for today. Um, the first thing I wanted to say was happy Father's Day. Thank you. <laughs> a little bit day late, but. Um, Not that you didn't say it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, obviously <laughs> we celebrated yesterday. Well, celebrated. I mean, as much as you celebrate when you have wild toddlers and a farm yeah i mean farm chores we didn't really do much whole lot yesterday hudson had farm school and we went over to visit your parents but before we get too deep into the weeds i just want to say like parenting and especially being a stepdad is not easy thank you that's all (laughs) i mean it's easier now it is yeah i mean because we've put the time and the work in but blended families are tough and we've spent a lot of time and money on therapy and (laughs) deciding that we wanted to parent differently certainly like that was that was probably not an easy transition from the girl's perspective either going from being parented in a household that was you know quite authoritarian and you know 
and then you're freewheeling out here like not freewheeling but like setting new boundaries and like you know figuring out how to mesh in a, a blended family and then we had the boys and it's like figuring out that dynamic like blended families are really hard and I don't want to um I don't want to cry but I don't want to move past it too quickly Maya and I actually the uh so we were Maya and I were car shopping uh last week so we did buy we we found Maya a car I'm so excited um, we put a deposit down of course you got to do the whole like paperwork and safety and all that type of thing so we bought a nice little used VW um and in that process we ended up going out for dinner her and I and we had a couple of good discussions about like about how she feels you know having relationships at post you know mom and dad splitting up and how yeah. she was like the odd one out for a while and that's interesting yeah not to get too deep into it but yeah it mostly triggered the memory saying talking about the blended family and change of parenting styles and well and then going forward and like choosing to oh man i need to get this lump out of my throat um i don't even have a bottle of water for you um you know choosing to to parent the boys differently like you know i think we were both raised in and fairly um strict households like authoritarian households where it was like you know kids are seen and not heard yeah i mean yeah there was a fair bit of that i mean we i had a lot i think you did too a fair bit of free reign i i don't think that came until much later and it was more like i think by that time my parents were mostly exhausted by my brother that they weren't paying much attention to me and i think that they they kind of felt like they didn't have to worry about me because I didn't get into trouble like my brother did. Um, it, I mean, spoiler alert, I did. I just got into, you know. You just learned, you learned how to hide it better. I learned how to hide it better and not get caught, and my brother did not. So they were always, you know, wrapped up in his shenanigans that they didn't really pay attention to me. But, um, you know, before that, like before my my mom and my dad split it was very authoritarian like you know I, I children were seen and not heard and these little precious things that you toted around and showed off to your family but you know during the week didn't have a whole lot of you know time or attention for us so I mean breaking those cycles of our childhood experience is tough she was thinking about it the other day i've been thinking about a little bit here and there just like as i hang out with the boys and everything about like like man like when like i remember a lot of time without my parents Mm. like just hanging out in the backyard or in the basement or up the road at a friend's i do too i mean going up the road to a friend's house which now is almost unthinkable even in like i mean i grew up in one of the more affluent not affluent so much as like very family friendly neighborhoods. Suburban. Yeah. Like typical, like, I mean, well, you've driven by, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it's like almost, it's not little boxes, but it was like pre, like, mm-hmm. pre, like, it's a every subdiv- house looks the same. Like, yeah. But yeah, like, um, it, I mean, yeah, just like in the morning having breakfast and then like hitting the road, just gone. And yeah. I, like, I mean, I, the kids always joke, like, I moved halfway through grade six. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's always been like the, well, you're what, a 10, 11, 12 years old in that? And I'm like, that's most of that experience. That's like, every time I think of that, I'm like, shit, I was only like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like, literally, like, I mean, you lived on a bicycle. Yeah. You had candy money, like, you know, $3 in your pocket. So you could go to the, the convenience store like midday and no parent ever overlooked that. Yeah. Like drinking out of hoses at lord knows where you always knew who had a hose spigot you could go drink out of we're like, built different aren't like, we <laughs> literally like yeah i mean they write freaking country music about this shit yeah right like and that was that was it and i was like yeah i think i'm like man i don't remember my parents being around that much mm-hmm. not that they weren't like yeah, my yeah. mom was upstairs yeah you know but like and i mean we're we do it now with Hudson. Like he'll go out in the backyard, like as we're trying to get everybody else ready, and he's just out in the yard. Now we yeah. can see him usually. My like, biggest fear is the road. We yeah. live on a fairly busy road, and and cars go by very quickly. Like 120 kilometers an hour, I would say, is the average speed on our road. 
Yeah. And, it, if and you're it, not doing hundred here. You got guys on your yeah, hands. Yeah. It's fearful. Like it makes me fearful, but I mean, just kind of going back to like undoing all of the things that, you know, and, and unlearning all of our old patterns, like, and I think that's why some days the boys just trigger the shit out of me. And some days are harder than the other than others. Right. Because what you want to say to them is like, stop making so much noise. Like today Hudson was being so whiny and tattletaley and I don't know why that was like like scratching an open wound for me I was like just stop like I don't want to hear it anymore but I don't want to talk to him that way yeah I it's it's hard like when they're playing together well which is such a rare occasion but that and being loud I catch myself like yelling at them or like that that like knee jerk like all right like keep it down mm. and then i'm like no 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 they're having fun this is this is the good one mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is the loud we want to encourage yes uh, like like trying to be okay with loud when it's the right kind of loud mm-hmm. and and then like the girls what, too like when the girls get hoarse and round yeah. after dinner sometimes sometimes that's hard for us to let happen because the boys are in bed yeah. and they can get pretty rowdy but like those times when the girls are like you know, horsing around in the kitchen, tidying up, like Hannah comes home late from work. So Hannah's usually eating and they're just like talking in memes. I can't understand what they're saying, but they are roaring with laughter and it's so great. And I remember, it's so funny that you should say this because I remember I used to, so, um, my stepdad had a rec room in the basement and we had our TV area directly above him in the living room and I just remember like him he had a a broomstick beside his chair He's a lazy boy to bang on the floor for us to keep it down because yeah. we would get laughing and horsing around or whatever and he couldn't hear his tv program and had to bang on the floor there's absolutely no risk of him hearing this so I'm gonna just call him <laughs> right out um bang on the floor and tell us to, to knock it off and he used to call my laugh a cackle and that really just like I try not because sometimes you say just cackling but like you say it in such a positive way like like a hearty laughter he it was a pejorative from him like stop laughing that cackling like like his connotation was a witch and that was that was hard for me so I try like when when oh fuck <laughs> you know when our house is is loud and boisterous you're right there's two different kinds there's the fighting is oh the fighting just is like nails on a chalkboard and you you and just know when it's gonna happen right like you know today it was Bo was playing with Lego in the living room like the Duplo Lego and Hudson wasn't even in the room Hudson was in the kitchen with me. I was getting lunch ready. He was watching a show. Actually, no, it was after they had woken up from a nap. And so I was kind of puttering around because I had to get ready to be out in the gym. It doesn't matter. Hudson was watching a show. Bo was playing with Lego. Hudson decided he was done watching a show and entered the living room. And I'm not even kidding you. It was like 1.7 seconds before one or both of them was shrieking. And it was just like, I don't want to play referee today. Like at some point they need to figure this out. And I asked um, Kate, one of our members who also has two boys. I'm like, when does it stop? Her boys are six and eight. She said, I'll let you know. (laughs) Like, fuck. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) When like, I just, I'm done with being in survival mode with them. Yeah. I'm exhausted. So, happy Father's Day. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for daddy. It's not easy, but we're doing it again. What else did you have? Let me open my note. Oh, we got parts for the, well, yeah. for the bail Well, come on. For the bail wrapper. Yeah. We finally got the parts for the bell wrapper. We didn't get this, the wrap that we had asked to be shipped with it. Yeah, the the wrap that he said he was going to ship with it. And I said, give me a call back 
uh, and I'll give you a credit card number off the, over the phone to invoice me for the bail wrap. And I think that he was just like, yeah, screw this lady. I'm not doing this. <laughs> we got the parts. So. They were still short two bolts, but I was able to find a couple. And I've got the automatic stop working. So with the new handle, you're able to actually engage it a little bit further, the, mm-hmm. like turning it on, which actually drops. There's a little, it's it's the simplest of anything. It's a little bolt that spins with the, like it's attached to the gear. So it spins and then there's a little, like a blade that runs on the thread. So basically when you put, when you engage it the whole way, it drops to the bottom. Yeah. It engages with that and it slowly works its way up and then stops the machine. So we don't have to like count bell wraps or anything. We'll figure out one. And then you can set the height on the thing. Hmm. And then off it goes. So I got that all set up and going today and it's running pretty well. So I cut down some of the pasture on the weekend and I, it's like, I don't, I don't know if you and I were having this conversation, but I need to reframe it in my head that um, it's, well, it's not just grass. <laughs> it's not just grass. So I, here's what I'm struggling with. We were talking about this in the car. So it it's, comes from this place of scarcity where I'm like, this is a precious resource and I'm mowing it to the ground. And it's like, I'm seeing it as a loss of potential. And I need to reframe that because right now we don't have the bandwidth or the, well, I mean, we freaking could now, couldn't we? We could bail it this weekend. Um, It's not mowed yet, but it wouldn't be ready for this weekend, I don't think. Well, it's going to be hot this week. Either way. Anyway, um, we have made the decision to mow down the what remains of first cut and prepare the pasture for a decent second cut because we don't have the bandwidth and we're losing our window for first cut because the clover and the fescue have all gone to flower it's already kind of pushing it yeah it's not it won't be the best quality so now we run into the point where a lot of it's gone to seed so if we mow it over it will at least help reseed like the second best thing is it'll help reseed the pasture yeah so we're mowing it down in hopes that we will get a decent second cut and that will give us time to kind of regroup and get ready. And then our plan is to take what we need to um, get 50 bales of wrapped hay and then just do the remainder for, for dry hay. Yep. And if we can sell some, we'll sell some. Yeah. The, the problem, the other problem is, so we have plenty of hay. We could sell some because... Th- the the prediction is that this year is going to be dry and crappy and that people are going to be needing hay come the winter time um but we don't have a people aren't buying hay right now and we don't have a place to store it until people are in need of hay no i think uh it's the baleage we can sit outside which it works well um i think we can probably get 200 ish bales in the drive shed in the drive shed which is wait, which is more than what we need. But. Yeah. Well, as I say, I think we've got about fifty bales of fifty bales of baleage and fifty bales of dry hay. I think that's close to what we need. I think once we have an idea of coming through the winter, what we're using per day, we can kind of like do some hay math and figure out, you know, what if anything we can sell, maybe recoup some of that cost. Yeah. I th- so I th- we've got about fifty and fifty, give or take. The dry fifty stuff- bales of wrapped hay 50 bales of dry hay and i don't think the dry hay well based on what's there it's taken up a quarter Mm -hmm. of the space and we could even like once you get it all kind of packed in we can put some more on top like we can go a little higher with it so i think getting 200 bales of dry hay in that storage area is not uh, out of the realm of possibility we could probably grab a couple more skids and put some in the other drive shed where we're storing the other stuff which Mm -hmm. that'd be another 40 or 50 bales but like that's about what we'll need probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a hundred bales of baleage. Like I think we, we can have lots and I d- wouldn't like rush to start selling it at all. But, um, and then look at, you know, once we get into December, January, if somebody's looking for some, we've got some to sell mm-hmm. um, for us. If it's stored like that, it's not a problem to just sit for a while. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of friends who would probably be interested in, in a good trailer load. Yeah. Um, we cut open one of the bales. Mike had suggested that after a couple of weeks, we cut open one of the bales to kind of, to see if, you know, what the condition looked like, how it smelled. And boy, does it smell good. It smells so good. <laughs> it smells exactly the way it should. Yeah, so no mold. A, it smells very, the... um, like sweet, uh, 
I, I can't even just if you know you know I can't even describe the smell of of if you're a Londoner if you're a Londoner it's a little bit so if you've ever driven outside the city when they're cutting hay it smells half like that oh, we've got a cat joining it's us. the kitten yeah so we had a new kitten hanging around that, that was, was also whole, on my that was a whole adventure so this was on we'll, we'll also on my list yeah. to talk about so. Um, it smells a little bit like a fresh cut hayfield and a little bit like Labatt's. Oh, he is a loud boy. Yeah, he's annoying. We don't even, is it a boy? We don't even know. We've never know. got that close. I think all orange cats are boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it smells a little bit like a mix of like Labatt Brewery downtown. Because mm-hmm. if you live in London and you've been, on the, if you've, been, if you've been on the south end of downtown, everybody knows what Labatt smells like. Yeah. New people in town are like, what's that? I'm like, well, oh, the broom beer. Yeah. Because um, we, London is home to Labatt's. I mean, we also ferment Ruby's grain, so we yeah. get a little bit of that when we yeah. when we feed her. We feed her a little bit of grain in the morning at nighttime, when we're when we've got her in her milking stanchion, and we do a three day ferment on that too. So sometimes that gets a little bit. Oh, um, can you put oats in the bin when we're yeah. done recording? Because I need yeah. to mix up another batch. So we have these like. I don't know. What are they? Like a gallon pails? They're not very big. We got them from the feed store. They had suet balls in them and they just had a stack of them that we're they like, were recycling. Do you guys sell like half gallon or like, They're... like well, like two gallon buckets? Yeah. So the guy's like, uh, no, but like, you know, we might have something in the back here. Give me a second. Yeah. And, and they were just recycling these, like... them. They put them, they repackaged them and it was, it's a perfect size. Like it's, you know, a few days worth of feed. It's, that cat is so annoying. <laughs> Get out of here, you little brat. Get He's he is pretty like skittish, so delivering the content you all want and need. Um fermenting grain. Yeah. So these little bins are just perfect. It's a couple of days worth of feed. It doesn't over ferment, but that, that sweet fermented smell. And then imagine that on grass. Yeah. Like it's just it's so cool. I it reminds me of childhood summers at my uncle's dairy farm. It's pretty great. But the, but they would put it in a cart and chop it, right? Yeah. Like, so they would do blown-in haylage where they just chop it and put it in a wagon and fill it full. I don't know how they control mold if they do it that way. They have to pack it in pretty hard so that it doesn't the, get moldy. You just got to keep the oxygen out. So yeah. That's, don't know how they do that, no. but that's, <laughs> that's the goal. Well, and I think that they probably treat it. Like, they probably put some kind of conditioner on it mm. so that it doesn't. We're not like, into that. No, that's not our jam. Um, so we have this stupid orange cat that showed up. God damn it. We, just because we live in between like three different farms that this cat could have come from. And it seems like we always have a stray cat kicking around. And the reason why I sound annoyed is because Miko, the resident barn cat, your ex-wife's cat (laughs) that still somehow is alive and lives here. Every other cat. Every other cat. Ever been around here. Yeah. I don't know how she's been outside for three years because before that she was a house cat, but I bought fancy new rugs and she peed on them. I'm sure by this time, everyone, everyone near us has heard this story and, and how much, um, venom I have for this cat. No, she peed on the shower in front of me. I was sitting on the toilet and she backed her butt up to our brand new shower and peed all over the door. And I was like, you don't live here anymore. And I kicked her out. That was my Tom Segura impression. She's kind of been in and out a little. No, like, that was the last time. No, no, no. But before that, like she was a house cat before I even moved to the farm here. Yeah. Her and two siblings came with her mm-hmm. and I was single and didn't really, my choice, my first choice was not the cats. You became single. Yes. Yeah. My And my first choice in, in the arrangement was not the cats, but I ended up with the cats. Is anyone's first choice ever the cats? Like we're going to split up, but I get to keep the cats said no one fucking <laughs> ever i had a great pair of aussies and i got three cats so i came home one day and i was in my living my carpeted living room there was three cats and four shits all four corners mm-hmm. and the cats went into a crate and into the barn it was in the fall or something and the carpet went onto the front porch, got cut up and put on the front porch and the cats were barn cats. Well, and then the boys died. Then and Malcolm then, and Stripes both died. Yeah, they both, because of where we live, they were outside cats, and outside cats have outside problems, and 
Um, they were playing on the highway when they shouldn't have been. Um, and for some reason, this one cat who like, and she was nobody's favorite of the three. It's too bad because she is. She's a, she's a nice looking cat. She's, and she's she, just terrible. Hold on, I'm gonna fix this. Hold on, <laughs> I can't. So she was alone out here for a while, and one winter we kind of felt bad, so she got moved back in the house. And she would get out every once in a while, and we'd let her go, but she was kind of like tentatively an inside cat. Well, and she's a sweetheart. She is quite nice, and she's cute, and she's she likes to cuddle, and she's very friendly. She's just gross. And so now, like, there's a couple of members, like... In the gym that have taken a shine to her. And so she just She comes kinda, trotting out when they come in. She knows yeah, when they come to the gym. she knows their vehicles. She's so ridiculous. And then there's other members who dis- dislike her, whether yeah. or not they're allergic to cats or whatever, but just like, get out of here. So sometimes she like trots through the gym and she knows who she can say hi to and who she needs to avoid. So years ago, we had an orange cat show up. Yeah. Nugs. And he was living with the chickens for a while. And he would come up into the gym when the, we'd have the big doors open in the gym and he'd come trotting in with mice all the time. And Every time we had a new member, he would bring them a gift. Yeah. He would bring them a mice and a mouse and lay it at their feet. And <laughs> that was it. Sometimes, so he, because I always coached the early morning classes, you'd see him walking the fence line. So he'd be walking across the top of the fence and you'd see him like dive into the long grass and come out with a mouse in his mouth and he would come trotting up to the gym so pleased and proud of himself and he would bring and sometimes like so we had a body count on the whiteboard for him because he was such a little gangster he killed so many mice we had like a nugs body count on the board we even had shirts made for nugs like he was a bit of a gym celebrity eric's um headshot on the website he's holding nugs in his his arms he was just a really cool cat he was like we could count how many mice he killed by the gut piles he left on the gym floor which is kind of gross but like also pretty badass i had a soft spot for that guy um of course he got went exploring the the highway and yeah. Didn't make it. And then we had a barn cat that was a member gifted us. Yeah. I I tried to replace him. Yeah. And Not the same. We called the we called the replacement Deuce. So my joke is that this orange cat, if he sticks around, I'm gonna name him Trey. Because he's number three orange cat. If you don't count Miko and He is absolutely sticking around. Stripes and Malcolm. I mean he's uh, well, so aside from one journey, he has been sticking around. Yeah. He took a journey in Bill's truck. He got up in the engine compartment. So, <laughs> if you've ever lived in a rural area where there's lots of outside barn cats, you've probably heard about this. Cats like the warm, warm coziness of, of an engine compartment. Hot engine. <laughs> so the other day, uh, everything was going sideways in the morning and I was super late and I jump in my truck and I get a couple of miles away from the house and I'm going... I feel like this was Friday morning. I'm going, I hear something. <laughs> and I'm like, there is no way there's a cat. And I, I mean, I had the windows open. Spoiler I could hear, alert. I could hear, yes way, there is a cat. <laughs> I could hear birds <laughs> chirping, the whole nines. So I'm like, and now I'm conditioned to hearing like birds chirping when I'm driving because the gator, the shocks on the gator sound like birds chirping all the time. Oh. So I was kind of like, Arr. so I'm like literally six, not even six minutes away from the house. Like... You could almost see, you could see the, the silos from the ha- from where I was. Pull over, sure shit. I, I'm like, as soon as I shut, the, I didn't even shut the truck off. As soon as I pulled over, I'm like, yep, know what that is. So shut the truck off, pop the hood, walk around. I open the hood and he's literally sitting. <laughs> so like all these new modern engines have like all of the plastic cowling on them and everything. He's sitting perched atop the motor. <laughs> He's just sitting there, like I mean, if you, I don't know, I don't know how much the recording you'll hear him in this. You got to be able to hear him, but like screaming at the top of his lungs like that, just and and. Don't listen to this episode if you have a dog. Like, don't listen to it like out loud if you have a dog. Your dog is gonna go crazy. So I try to. I'm I'm like I pop the hood and in a flash he's gone. But not out of the engine compartment. No, he's down deeper into somewhere between the engine and the transmission, like down in the like. And I'm like, so I'm on the side of the road with a freaking stick trying to like poke this cat to get him out of here. And I'm laying on the ground, like on the ditch side of the road, 
like trying to poke up into the engine compartment, trying to like just prod him to get out. And I'm like, sure as shit, this thing's going to run clear it on the road. And I'm just going to be laying here looking under my truck and watch this cut cat get smoked. No. I'm like, I'm just got, but I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. what else option do I have here? So, so you just came home. So I couldn't get him out. So I'm like, well, buddy, we're going to see how this goes. Cause I, I, what am I going to do? Like, and I feel bad. Like, I don't want this cat to get hurt. I, I don't, like, I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm probably more upset about the chickens than the cat, to be mm. honest. But, um, so I'm like, mm, what what can I do here? So I'm like, okay, well, Sherry's trucks, Sherry's car's at home. So I just turned around and drove home. I mean, we tried to get the cat you came, out of the yeah, car Yeah, you came first. out. I popped the hood. We left, <laughs> we left it sitting there. Because I'm going like, hey, I want to cool the damn thing down. Because Lord knows if the thing's burnt to a crisp or what. Like, I think it's, we would have smelled it if it was. Yeah. I, I didn't smell anything like untoward. I didn't smell burning cat hair or flesh <laughs> or anything. So I'm like, whatever. So we spent a couple of minutes trying to get it out. Finally, I was like, screw it. Just going to leave it. Mine and I were going car shopping. So I was like, we were going back to, to, to go revisiting a car, a place we'd been before. So I said like, okay. So I said, Maya, like, you're going to come after school. So I said, here, take my truck. Just let it sit here because it's going to be a few hours. Hopefully he's gone. And Maya didn't even think about it. She just got in the truck and drove to her, drove to pick me up. No. No? She's, no. That's what I said to her. I'm like, is Cat out? She's like, I don't know. That, that was for you. Uh. We made sure that the cat was out. She asked me before she left, did you see the cat? And the cat was like running across the front lawn out to the gym. So he's been poking around. He's been hiding. He's sleeping in the hay in, in our hay bale storage. So he's been I think hanging. He's up there. sleeping in several places. Yeah. I think that he actually pooped in Ruby's stall because I found <laughs> cat poop in there. So don't want that to keep happening because that's pretty gross. So he's uh, and some of the members have been chasing him, trying to chase him down. No one's got a hold of him yeah. yet. So he's we'll still see. a barn cat. He's no. pretty feral. He's tiny though. He's just a little guy. The he other thing makes that his presence known. Yeah screams at you to not pick him up um i went to earth and honeybee last week oh that's right yeah had a whole adventure there we had a pretty cool experience so i playing with queens made a, a plan to go visit melissa to do a hive check with them just to kind of get some practice with getting my hands into a hive and pulling frames and becoming more comfortable with that process because i have never done that before so that's something that we're going to have to do we should probably get into that hive in the near future. Um, so she had a hive selected that she needed to do a check on anyway. So we started opening up the honey supers, which are the, the boxes on top, just kind of looking through and seeing, you know, making sure that they're, they're building out comb and all of that stuff and just kind of keeping an eye out on the queen. So she pulled the two, two top boxes off because she had a queen excluder in the over top of the the two bottom brood boxes and so we start pulling out what should be brood frame and the cells are empty not quite empty but being back filled with honey so you know she's not really thinking too much of it as we're kind of working our way from the outside of the brood box in towards the center the brood should be at the center so it's not completely unusual that there would be honey on the outer frames of a brood box but as we're kind of going through, we start to see um, queen cells along the bottom of the frames. And then as we get closer to the inside in of the, the box and pulling out the, the brood frames, which should have eggs, Lots. larvae, bees hatching, bees at various stages of, of development, there's nothing. There's no eggs. There's no larvae. There's no baby bees. But there's all of these queen cells something that i learned and that we learned when we went for our master class was if a bee if a hive is getting ready to promote a new queen and swarm they'll create these queen cells along the bottom of the frames if it's an emergency situation they'll create them at the top this hive had queen cells at both the bottom and the top <clears throat> We rescued five queens hatching. I have a video of one. I don't know if you can put video on the, the blog, but um, we we rescued them and we put them in little queen cages. And one of them we weren't able to rescue. She flew away. 
and I have some more questions after having gone through this experience. Like, I just don't know what can, like, this, this hive was queenless. There was no queen. So the hive mates, the colony, was trying to promote a new queen and, and send somebody up to a drone swarm to go on her mating flight and come back and start populating the hive so it had been quite a while that this hive had been queenless because there was you know the the life cycle of a bee is 16 days there were no new bees in this hive so I don't know like was the queen that they put in there not viable when they put her in there was it an established colony already and they just did a queen swap and the one that they swapped out with wasn't accepted by the rest of the colony like just so many mysteries surrounding it so we um we're able, like, I'm trying to ignore it. It's really bad, this cat. Um, so we, we rescued five queens out of this hive. And I touched base with Melissa to say, like, hey, what, like, how did that, that situation work out? And she said, it looks like a queen, a mated queen came back, like one of the ones that they promoted and sent up, um, came back and there's eggs in the hive. So good news, the the hive is not queenless anymore. The colony is not queenless anymore. But it was a really interesting experience. And I was kind of hoping to see like all the different stages of, you know, development and, you know, here's what to look for. Instead, we, you know, our timing was absolutely impeccable to see those queens coming out of those queen cells and see what it looks like for this hive that's in just stress just yet but definitely like in a not in an optimal state big transition big transition so it was it was really interesting so that was a fun experience that's cool i was just thinking like in the next couple of days we need to get into those hives i i led with that yeah yeah so i think we might be ready for a box on top and we should definitely pull the pollen thing and yeah. start collecting so we, some pollen. When we set the hives up, we set it up one of them with a pollen collector, but the pollen collector has a, a like a trap door. A, a, oh, and it's got like a little uh, filler, so you can fill the pollen collector door or you can fill the bypass door, so to speak. So we've had them. We've had the pollen collector door blocked, so the bees can come and go on the regular. Like so, they just go into the hive, so they get all of the pollen. The idea with a pollen collector is. Um, you're kind of stealing a little bit when the bees come back covered in pollen. Um, you're stealing a little bit. It kind of wipes some of it off and there's a little tray that collects it in there. So like bee pollen is a big, like superfood thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, right now. Yeah. I mean, it has been forever. It's, so it's, it was really interesting. It's, the, it's the, hot right now. The pollen that they had been collecting was fluorescent orange. So I was looking in the, the one of their pollen trays and it was like, really really bright orange i wonder if that's like the daylilies like those daylilies have really really bright orange whatever comes up early in the spring yeah and then like really vibrant greens and then like your typical color that you would expect to see like the golden yellow and and like a brownish gray kind of color but really fascinating to see all the different colors of pollen that that bees collect so yeah i oh 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 I hit a button. Um, yeah, I my idea was to let leave it on the bypass so that they got it until they got established and built up a little bit. And so when we check them, well, before we move that, I'd like to check them just to make sure that everything looks okay. Yeah, I mean, and then if everything's looking good and there's lots of fresh brood and whatnot, we'll uh, we'll steal some. Pollen. My prediction is that we will be ready for another box. Yeah, we should do that sooner rather than later, especially if it's going to be warm this week. Because if there's not enough room, they will swarm. Yeah, tomorrow night. So we'll do that tomorrow after after the boys go to bed. Yeah, we'll get all get all our gear up and get all smoky and. Well, what are we going to do this weekend now if we're not <laughs> processing chickens? We still got three. Yeah, we'll take care of those roosters. We need to get them out of there. Yeah. Um, and Daniel and Delaney have one that they want us to take care of too while they do theirs. So. Tell them to bring it over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've got three hens that we're going to rehome. We've got three roosters that we're going to butcher. And then that'll free up. So I think in the interim till we get the mobile chicken coop figured out, we will put the new broilers next week in in unit three because that Mm -hmm. will be an empty unit so we'll clean that one out and get them set up in there so that they're nice and safe and then maybe i think what i would like to do is work on the chicken coop a little bit so i can get those outside doors Mm -hmm. so that we can close those up 
the idea being so I wanted to build mobile coops, uh, mobile pens out in the field so that we could move them around. And we might do that eventually, but in the interim, what we've done is on our main unit, we've opened up a hole. We basically put in a little chicken door, but it doesn't have a door on it. We just put an opening so that they can come and go outside. And I think what I'd like to do in the interim is do that with a door on all three of them. And then we can kind of decide, you know, do a like day one, day two, day three rotation mm-hmm. on them so that everybody gets some outside grazing time. Yeah. I'd still really like whatever we do with the broilers, I'd still really like them to get outside. Yeah. And that's just it. Like if I go now that I don't do that, if I have a, an, if I in an hour or so, I should be able to get a lot of that sorted out. Well, and we have new broilers coming on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I say, like if we get those roosters out, we rehome those hens, and I spend another hour or so working on that stuff. We should be able to have them in a nice spot that we can, and then all three of their our chickens will have the option, or our uh, flocks will have the option of getting outside on the pasture. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's wrap it up. So we can go to bed. I still have some pro- programming stuff to do for the gym. I have yeah. to write a warm up. So this week is CAP programming. Yeah, the CrossFit, CrossFit affiliate, affiliate program, programming. Which so. I don't know. I mean, I saw some of the coaches talking about stuff. And from what I saw of this, I think it's the best so far. CAP? Yeah. I like the layout. and the, They give you the... I think there's more in, included in that. But <laughs> I'm shaking my head. I don't know. Well, we need to get, we need to work our way through everything we've. So planned. the fault of the other two weeks that we've tested so far is that we've gone way over the hour in class time. Today I was done with twenty minutes to spare. See, I think that as a coach, you can if you know that that is often the thing, you can fill with more practice, more totally. Like, I would rather have I would rather have time than be crunched for time. Yeah. And have to cut things out because you, you're running out of time. Yep. Or go late. And, and I really like to respect people's time. So um, going over sometimes isn't such a great idea. So. so it's cap this week. Mayhem was last week. No, Mayhem was the first week. That's comp train was comp last, train week. last week. And then cap this week. And I think maybe, I don't I'm know what we're going to do with linchpin. Yeah, I don't know. I can maybe pick away at linchpin. putting Because we have a month's programming, I can maybe like pick away at putting it into sugar one so that it's not like Sunday night scrambling, trying to get programming in for next week. So lots, lots to do. There's no shortage of things to do. <laughs> always. There's always something to do. So we won't be talking about butchering chicken tonight. Well, yeah. three is not a big deal, but no, Jess is going to come for coffee tomorrow and bring the, the equipment back. So that, that can still happen. We can still get our equipment back. Yeah, so. I mean, that has to happen. Yeah. Anyways. All right. All right. See you next week.